Two, I don't even know why I bother with the count in anymore because I pretty we just jump right in. I mean, yeah, I it's part of one of those deals. Um, this is two guys who happen to be pastors. This is a show where two guys who just happen. Well, you know the show. We're thirty four episodes in, folks. You know the premise. Hey, 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 hey! That's why Netflix asks if you want to skip the intro. We got to do the intro. <sighs> this is two guys who happen to be pastors. Two guys who just happen to be pastors coming together and talking about whatever's on our minds. Kind of taking the, uh, take it, breaking down that pedestal a little bit so that you can access your pastor on your level. How was that? That was beautiful. That was, I'm, wasn't I'm, it? That was like I'm, spot on. Like I'm touched. I feel like real Bob Barker like vibes going on I'm, with that, you know? I like it. I'm feeling it. I mean, yeah. So... We thank you for tuning in for us, however you found us, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Amazon Music, Anchor, Facebook also. Just look up the name, Two Guys Who Happen Me Pastors. You'll find uh, find all of our content on there. Um, have I told you that I'm actually looking into how... Um, um, it, I gotta, it popped up on through Anchor about getting our podcast on Pandora, actually. So, who knows? We could be some random, you know, some random guy in Albuquerque could be listening to us and be like, where did these guys come from? Hey, I told you to leave Jeff out of this. I'm just saying. Jeff, we appreciate you listening. But, um... I'll tell you what, I, I heard something that just tickled me pink the other day. Mm. I, heard, I heard a kid in a resource room this week Singing a Wiggles song. You remember the Wiggles? I remember the Wiggles. Yeah. So these Australian fellas that sing about fruit salad and play guitars and stuff, and one of them was super Asian. Yes. Like uncomfortably Yeah, Asian. it was It was to the point where... Like, his name was Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> it just happened to make me think about that. I don't think I've ever heard that term, uncomfortably Asian. That's uh, well for the show. For the I show, mean, yeah, else yeah. Is blindingly white. Yeah, and then you all of a sudden you've got a guy. Jeff. You know, because it's like Aussie and Raramir and Kangarooey. Like and real deep Jeff. outback names, yeah. And then Jeff. Jeff. But was it spelled J-E-F-F or you was it? You know it was J-E-F-F. Only Americans do that G-E-O-F-F stuff. I, I'm just saying. Actually, no. I, that's more of a British thing I have found, I've seen. All um, I know is I looked in the yearbook one time and realized how few people in my school I knew. Because I saw... G-E-O-F-F and I went up to him I said what's up Geoff Geoff he's like my name's Jeff I'm like no it didn't no that's that's there's no way that, that is not is. that is not the king's English kind of like Sean Cian oh yes I'm like what are the names are kids Cian yeah that's it's Sean I'm like, it's no, no it that's not Sean Sean is S-H-A-W-N I I've watched Sean that. I've watched Sean Michaels on TV I know how to spell Sean I mean it's well yeah it's those Irish and, and our British friends that are causing a lot of those they're issues. They're a little out, but I can't say much. Descendant of Irishmen, um, as you might have been able to tell, I don't know. Um, but we thank you for tuning in tonight, or today, whenever you're listening to this show, I, I don't know. Um, it's been kind of a nice weekend. We're coming off a weekend where it didn't get above, I don't think it got above like 76 degrees this weekend, I don't think, did it? Mm. Uh, for Sunday it did. It got a little warm on Sunday afternoon, oh, but um, like kicking back up, uh, almost like 
uncomfortable. Like, but here was the thing. So last week, yes, you're listening to a podcast where we're going to talk about the weather, but this is Indiana, folks. Crazy stuff. Weather is pretty much like, it's not just a term of endearment. It legitimately is talking about something that matters to a lot of us, particularly myself. But you know, you know, you walk out and it's hu- it's so humid, like the humidity just lays on you like a thin film, and you don't get rid of it until you go in, and immediately you feel like ice on top of you because it's just so thick. That's what we had last week. But, oh well. You could just say it was hotter than two raccoons in a knapsack wrestling. That's never the way I've heard it said, but this is a clean show, so we'll leave it at that there. Um, you got to mind your mind your cues and cross your eyes. And, uh, I don't know so. about all that, but... Um, but yeah, this is... Um, this is one of those things... This is a show, we're going to talk about something... That this That's thing. That's a pod. That's a pod. You know, I'm gonna. Okay, hang on, hang on here. Let's go. There we go. Um, it's one of those things. We're gonna talk about one of those things that people don't really think of. We touched on it before in other in earlier episodes. Um, which, by the way, quick shout out. We're uh, look for um, us to on the fortieth episode, our anniversary, fortieth anniversary. We're going to be doing a, a special clip show, actually, or not really a clip show, but kind of going back and looking at some of the hot, um, hot takes, things like that, the old bits we used to do, um, fun stuff like that. Um, so you mean we get to go back and visit the stuff on the shelf. The stuff on the shelf and all that stuff, you know, because we've kind of abandoned that. I mean, we haven't really abandoned it. Just you know, it's it's kind of like a it's kind of like a, a child. It it grows. It changes. Um, we were in our uh, prepubescence, and now we're in our adolescence, I guess, because uh, we're just going wild, reckless, crazy. Um, but I mean, tonight's topic is something that we're gonna that you don't really quite think of very much, but it does it does bear repeating a, a little bit, or it does bear a little bit of explanation. As you know, with pastors, we talk a lot of, I mean, we deal with a lot. We talked about our schedules last week. You know, and inevitably you sprinkle in like funerals, you sprinkle in weddings, you sprinkle in counseling, um, visitation, stuff like that. And like we said last week, it weighs on you. It It takes a lot to get through all that. But here's the problem. I can't go home and talk to that, talk about that with my wife. I can, but not in a way that she's going to be able to either A, connect with me on it, or B, understand it. So, you know, it's one of those things like, so where do you go? I mean, do you, do we just be in constant prayer, or do we actually have somebody that we can talk it out with? Well, I was always taught that um, you need to have someone, whether it be professionally or personally, somebody that you can go to and unload all that heavy stuff. So, um, 
And it's got to be someone that's either not going to judge you or someone who gets it. Because as a pastor, you're going to run into things like, um, and this might be a little crude, but mm-hmm. I, we, if you ask a pastor, they've been there. Uh, well, Sandy didn't think much of my sermon. Because if you go to someone who hasn't been in ministry, they're going to go, Screw Sandy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why does her opinion matter? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which should, yeah. you know, in a perfect world, we would be like, you're right. Yeah, exactly. I agree wholeheartedly with you. But that's not the case. We can't. It it almost, to put it in line, you know the comedian Tommy Tiernan. The Irish, he's an Irishman. He does a bit about the, the Pope. Like, you know, they see him get, you know, I wonder if there's a room in the Vatican where he just goes just to unwind. You know, he gets in and <laughs> they see him get a little bit stressed because he's only a man. He goes in, he just starts jumping around. He's like, I don't want to be the Pope. I don't want to be the Pope. <laughs> kind of that scenario a little yeah. bit. I mean, it's not that we don't want to do the job. I mean, there are aspects of this, majority of it. I love it. I love every aspect of ministry, or most aspects of ministry. Absolutely, but just like any other career, any other job, you know, you have things you need to get off your chest, and it's, yeah. and it's healthy to do so. And you sometimes it's hard to explain to someone who hasn't been there in your shoes. You mm-hmm. know, when you try to explain, you know, well, you know, I didn't make it over to uh, Timmy's surgery because, you know, I had to go visit Barbara, you know, here... And then you have someone who's been there and be like, yeah, I know, man, scheduling is tough. Yeah, but you're doing your best, you know, keep it up. Or, you know, well, I didn't really have time to get the sermon done. And, you know, it, it came out a little flat and someone's going to tell you, well, next week get to work on a little earlier. Mm-hmm. But we've all been there. You don't have to beat yourself up over it. Here's Here's my whole thing with that, though. I mean... Like, my wife, had, she'll ask me on, like, Wednesday. You know, hey, or my dad will ask me, you got your sermon done for the week? No. What are you waiting on? It's Wednesday. Yeah, it's Wednesday. I've got, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I've got three whole days before I, before I have to present what I have, what God's put on my heart. I'm sorry, but it takes a lot. I mean, I it just writing the sermon in of itself. I mean, it could be something that you are wholeheartedly you're fired up about, you love, you're you know, it's something that you want to preach on. Um, God's put it fire in your belly on it. And I, you know, I find those the hardest to sit down and write. Because you wanna fit you have all these elements and like where do you want to go? How do you wanna go here? Do you wanna go there? Do you wanna present it in this light? And you Eventually, you just kind of get, you just kind of block yourself a little bit, <coughs> in a sense. But the people sitting on Sunday morning, they don't know this. They don't hear this. You know, it, there's been times where, you know, I've come and even in my short time in ministry, I've, you know, gone and done some visitation and stuff. And it's kind of been a little hard because. You know, I knew the person, and I knew this person, to, you know, to be a very virile, per, you know, virile, active person, and here they are laying in bed, and, you know, 
They got monitors hooked up to them and everything else, oxygen on them, if may, you know, maybe. And it kind of takes you back a little bit. I can't go home and talk to my wife about that mm-hmm. because it's going to upset her. They got eat, but you got to put it somewhere. Exactly. Which is typically, I don't know, you might, you can probably answer this question a lot because I, I'm going to say this. I've been spoiled in my young ministry because when I've faced criticism, hardship, whatever in it, I've had somebody that I could come back to who's done this job for a little bit longer than I have. I have, I kind of have that outlet a little bit. Not all pastors have that. And I don't think a lot of young pastors have that, really. No, and you know, we we encourage um, in the chaplaincy world, mm-hmm. you know, which is a world I inhabited for a short time, uh, we, we encourage you to find somebody, someone, somewhere, even if it's a phone call, to, to put all that mess. Um... Problem with pastors is you don't want to let you don't want to let anybody know that you have any holes in your armor. Yeah, and that is a mistake. It's such a mistake because I learned from all because you no, know, I was friends with a lot of elders, and unfortunately, a lot of those guys are gone now. Um, guys and gals, there's a few of them left, but. Um, I always had somebody to go to, too, and I've been able to share some of that load with you, uh, but as a licensed local pastor, as far as people active in ministry, you know, doing some of the similar things that you're doing, that's why I was on DCOM for two years and may eventually go back to it, mm-hmm. is it's concerning how alone you can get how fast. Because when you stop talking to people, when you stop opening up, you just eat it. Yeah. And it's and it's easier. You mm-hmm. just eat it. It's fine. You take but, it on the chin, you keep moving. But you have to find a way to get all that poison out because you're never going to be able to minister if you're not okay. No. And, yeah, you pull up on an accident. People are dead. You're there to administer, you know, prayer or to talk with someone, someone who may be dying. Mm-hmm. You got to have somewhere to put that. Yeah. And going to someone, you know, in the business world, somebody who works in, you know, higher education, you know, or a spouse, and you tell them, you know, you're trying to explain, well... The guy's torso was out of the car, but his legs weren't. You know, and I'm sure firefighters, paramedics go through this stuff too, where you, you're trying to explain to someone, you know, you're distraught, you're 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 upset yeah. at what you saw, and you're just supposed to be able to take it. And people criticize you because you're an easy target and people air all of their concerns about life and something about you that may have nothing to do with you. My radar's gotten better about that over the years. But you're just supposed to eat it because you're the one who can. Yeah. And 
I've tried to explain to people over the years, you know, there's no magic button that, like, empties the recycle bin. Like, that no. just stays with me. Who I am, you know, a little jittery, a little anxious, you know, I've got some terrible post-traumatic stress disorder things going. It's because of those things that have happened. And if you don't have somewhere to take it, it'll weigh you down. It'll eat you up. Absolutely, yeah. If you leave it in there, it festers. And you have to find a way to get it out. So my advice would be, no matter what line of work you're in, have somewhere where you can filter all that stuff out. And I tell young pastors all the time, you got to find somebody, some mentor. It can be me. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to find somebody to go to with all this stuff. Because if you don't, you just keep it. Well, and that was... That was kind of the thing when I, you know, for the the six months that I was at uh, my first appointment as a as the associate pastor. I was about to say in this book, the architect of awesomeness. Yeah, well, you know, I was debating about whether I was going to go assist assistant associate pastor or associate to the pastor. Because that was a big apparent, apparent distinction to the person I was serving with. Well, apparently. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, you, I had somebody, I could literally come and talk to you about that. Um, every, you know, all the, you know, every time I had issues with it. And you would check in with me quite frequently. Well, because, you know, when someone's weighing on you. It's just like you're in a you're in a wrestling match or a, or a fight and someone's just hanging on your back and weighing you down. It's it gets old. It's not. I mean, <clears throat> it did. And I mean, it came to. I mean, it was almost. I mean, it was to a point. For a while, I mean, it was just kind of a race to the finish. You know, get your local licensed pastor stuff done, and get your own church. Get out of there. Um, and it became very, very evident towards the end that that was not going to ever happen. Mm-mm. I could get the local licensed pastor, but I was going to be there. I wasn't moving, so I had to do. I had to move myself. And what really, and I'll be honest, that day my mind was a hundred different places. The day I quit, I, you know. I there was a brief ten minutes where I thought, you know, if I go back and I apologize, I can probably get my job back. And then I spent the the other ninety saying, Yeah, well you remember the last six months? You've been kicked in the teeth quite a few times. And and it's you can't understand someone just harping on you and harping on you and harping no. on you until you've been in it. No. And that's not one you necessarily just take to pastors. That's one you can, I mean, you can take to anyone who's just been, you know, nine to five. Yeah. You know, Dolly Parton mm-hmm. style where someone's just eating your lunch every single day and you're just like, can you not let up? Yeah. That's just, I mean, but, and here, but here's the thing. I don't think the outside world understands that there can be that kind of strife in in ministry. I, I don't. I don't really think that's a thing. I mean, people 
who have family who's in ministry or their dad's in ministry or they themselves are in ministry, they get it. But I remember when I, the first two months I was there, or month, maybe the first month, I was there. I went home and I tried to explain, I tried to tell Christy, and this is when I started clicking like, oh, wait, I can't, she's not going to be able to keep up with this. It's not any fault of hers. It's just she's not comprehend. She can't just keep up with it a little bit. I tried to explain what was going on. She said, is there anybody you can call, talk to? And I said, honey, I've only been here a month. I don't know if I can, I, I don't know if I have that right or not. I mean, I'm just going to take it on the chin. Maybe it'll get better. I don't know. What a foolish, foolish boy. Um, but, I think you were just a loyal boy. Well, I was grateful that I had an opportunity to be able to do ministry in any form. And they were willing to take a chance on a kid who had no college education, no formal training in ministry, just literally had a calling from God. That was all I had. And my Bible that I got in 2002 that had several passages highlighted in it, that was all I had. That's all you need. That's all you need. Apparently not to the other person. that You needed more. Um, but, and I mean, we've talked about my old dog and pony show that I went through. Um, for those of you who are, this is your first episode, um... Glenn, as we have said, he is a United Methodist pastor. Um, proud one. True, true. Um, and when I initially began to, to dive into ministry, I was meeting with him and started looking at the United Methodist Church because they had training programs in place to help people get into ministry, to get certified ministry. Um, and I was on board, you know, because it, really wasn't going to cost all that much. It wasn't going to be that bad. Um, and, you know, I don't want to... This sounds really mean, and you I, I mean this by no offense, but I kind of got played by the Pied Piper and got sold a bill of goods, in a sense. Because if I had... Like I say... I, I just firmly believe I would have been under somebody's thumb the entire time because I did not match what that hierarchy wanted. You know, I... I <laughs> you know, everybody that I met that was in the high, some of the higher-ups of the United Methodist Church, the pastor I was working with, they were on DCOM, the... Uh, the district, you know, the district superintendent at the time, you know, he's still, I think he's, he still is. Um, you know, I met them and this is going to sound very Reagan of me, I know, but I looked at the cars they were driving, both Hondas. Mm -hmm. And here I am, an American made Ford F-350 diesel. Um, bright red at the time too, so. Quality. Quality. Um, mm-hmm. Had a straight pipe on it with smoke. I mean, it was a cool. It was a beast of a vehicle. It was a beast of a truck. Um, nice truck, but 
But I could immediately tell when I saw them roll up in Hondas, I'm like, oh, okay, this isn't good. And, you know, the first meeting, I, I just kind of had a vibe. Something was a little off. Um, because one of, the pe- one of the persons was wearing a mask. This was kind of when COVID kind of had let up a little bit in 2020. 2020. And they kind of let up on the mask thing a little bit. But this person just... Insist. Insisted. Um, and I knew I was in trouble because on the mask, she had, they had Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Like, set, like, like, just like little pictures of her all over the dang mask. And I'm like... You almost want to go Billy Yardell. What's the matter? Your dad didn't love you. <laughs> throw the ball around. Mm-hmm. Um... But I thought, well, you know, people are different. People are entitled to their opinion, um, which is what I believe. But on the other side, I was expected to toe the line and all of this stuff and adopt a new way of thinking, and I'm sorry. That way of thinking cannot it doesn't change in my book. Um, I was taught right and wrong. I was taught good and bad and... You know, things that make sense to me and things that don't make sense to me. and But I still respect the other person having the opinion. All this I was able to come and talk to you about. All this I was able to come and like, hey, this, I, was, I, I would, you know, pitch things to you. Like, hey, what's, is this a thing? Is this a, really a thing? Is this something I have to worry about? Um, to a point. <laughs> To the point, like I say, it reached that point, and I said, "You know what? I don't care if I, I don't care if this is the way that I have to do ministry. I won't do ministry. I, I just won't. I'm gonna step away." And I'll be honest, you and I are best friends. I know this. Nothing runs deeper than that in my mm-hmm. book. I had a moment where. I was fearful that you might have an issue with me leaving the Methodist Church and pursuing another avenue. Because you and I had worked together on this a lot. A lot, a lot. And when it came time that I wasn't going to be a Methodist pastor, and I was going to go become a non-denomination, I mean, a Christian, just a regular Christian pastor, um, a non-denominational church, I thought for a bit, not very long, but for a bit, I you know you kind of wrestle with that whole inner demon of, um, man, I, I don't. What it stemmed down to, what it boiled down to, is I didn't want to let you down. I and I that was that and that on that day, like I said, I had a hundred things going, and that crossed my mind. Quite frequently, he's like, "I don't, I don't want to let him down." That's what led me to think, "Well, maybe if I go back and ask." Um, I, 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 I was going to say, I've, I've learned over time, and it's something that uh, I hope I communicated well. That, um, yeah, when I'm, I'm facing some of this, actually, in my, in my own life right now. You have to take care of you first. 
and I will never I will never belittle or berate somebody for taking care of themselves first. I just and not, I know. not in me to do that, but I'm sure there were people, you know, we learned there were people who acted that way a little bit. And, um, but a lot of people who didn't and yeah. who looked out for you. And um, There was quite a few people who stuck up for me and all that. You being number one. Yeah, the, the old, and I'll butcher it, but the old Dr. Seuss, you know, the ones who care don't matter and the ones who matter don't care. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, you gotta you gotta do what's best for you, and I'm I'm facing that, you know, in a situation, you know, where I wish I still had, you know, the Jim Nichols of the world, and uh, you know, some of those old standbys I could go to, you know, where I'm gonna disappoint somebody tomorrow, and um, you know, it's difficult to think, but. Um, at some point, you have to you have to think about you and your family and what's best, and um, that's the way you go. I mean, there's 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 no ways if sands or butts around it. That's the way you have to handle things. Uh, and I that clicked. With, I mean, it, it clicked. I, and I again. <clears throat> If you spend if if you spend your whole life, then I I think I'm about there learning this. <laughs> so you might have a little ways to go. If you spend your whole life trying to make everybody else happy, there's fair to real chance you'll be miserable. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. Um, you know I'm. You know, for anyone out there who doesn't know, I don't think we've even addressed it on the show. You know, I'm staring down the barrel of, you know, potentially a long recovery with a foot injury. And um, I'm a diabetic, so that complicates matters. And a diabetic who's been in a little bit of a fancy-free spell, so I'm really not in a good (laughs) spot. Um, There are a lot of people who've had a lot of opportunities for me. You know, I've I work in the church. I I've worked as a tutor. You know, I'm I'm trying to take care of you know my dad. I'm trying to, you know, help take care of a house that neither of us are in most of the time. And um, I think I'm finally ready to stop trying to make everybody else happy. And that is something that you can only talk about with someone who's been there. Exactly. And, you know, as strange as it sounds, sometimes you got to go to people who've done some pretty dirty, sinful crap to get to get it. Yeah. Um, you know, some very important people in my life have been devoted to their spouse for 40, 50 years went through divorces. Yeah. You know, I've, talking to people who a lot of times I would take a position or volunteer for something, you know, for them. And then two weeks later they're gone. You know, what I do that for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just trying to make people happy. And, uh, I've neglected a lot over the years to make myself happy. And yeah, I think I'm done with that. And I, 
you know, I will be sticking to ministry for as long as I can do it. And if I have to get a quote-unquote real job, then so be it <laughs> somewhere down the road. But, um, you know, I'm just tired of, uh, tired of doing things for everybody else. And, you know, I think you help put, get me some perspective there with that because... You can spend your whole life trying to make other people happy. Exactly. Which it's no way to live. It it doesn't get anything. It doesn't get you ahead by any stretch of the imagination. You help ten people around you take that next step. You're still a step behind them. That's just. I mean, now does that mean we're saying that you shouldn't help people? You shouldn't try to help. You know, give them a hand when they need it. No. The most important, I mean, when I left Newcastle, it it broke me a little bit. Because we had, I I mean, it broke me. Because I had literally worked on the youth program there, got it built back up after COVID, started having youth group and everything else. I mean, we were really, it was starting to gain traction. But Glenn, it was hard for me to go in the office every day. Yeah, That's I funny. was fearful of looking at my phone every morning because I knew there'd be an, a chance I'd be getting a text message or a phone call. The stress of that, and I mean, I'll, I'll be in that time. I I'll admit I was. It's no secret I'm a big guy, you know. I enjoy the. The cuisine as it comes around. In that time, I was eating my lunch, and then I was swinging by Speedway and grabbing, like one of those barbecue rib sandwiches, grabbing two of those and a big fountain pop and heading home and eating it. I mean, just because. Just throwing it away. Yeah, just because it was, it was just so stressful. I mean, now I know some people are gonna say, "Well, that's a cop out." Uh, you just. Well, maybe. But, it might um, be, but I mean, it got me through a little bit. And then when I, I mean, it's, I noticed, and I guess that was kind of like all the turning point because I went to put on my, my jeans that, that very morning and they were tight. And you know me, my jeans, I'm always pulling my jeans up. Even with a belt on, I'm always pulling my jeans up. They were tight. And I'd worn them for a day or two. So they should have been broke down, and and I was kind of having a conversation in my head, and then my wife called me, and said I didn't have to go to school that morning, and that's when I she had the heart to heart with me, said, "Honey, if you're that miserable, quit." I did. Of course, knocked all that crap off, went back to where I was. Now, I mean, as you see, uh, when I stand up here, I'll be hiking my jeans back up again. But that is the stress that ministry can put on you. Whether it's the people in your congregation or the people you're trying to work with. Um, you know, and it wasn't necessarily for me, it wasn't necessarily... <clears throat> it wasn't necessarily trying to make them happy it was 
literally just trying to get to a point where I didn't even have to interact with them. I didn't want to deal with them. I didn't want to talk with them. I didn't want to face them. And that stress, as you said, it, it eats at you. It builds up to a point where you're just... I don't know. I don't... I don't... I don't know. <clears throat> but, I mean... And as we sit here and talk about this, I mean, people might be listening to this show thinking it's all doom and gloom, you know, we're stressed out and everything. We are, but we also have good moments, too. We have high moments. For me, this show, it's a high point for me in ministry because this yeah. is a form of ministry. Yeah, we laugh, we joke, we talk about stupid stuff. Um, but... It allows us. It allows us to kind of come together and create an avenue. Hopefully, there's pastors out here who are listening to this show, and I hope you are. Um, hopefully, it's creating that avenue. If you don't have anybody around you, you can at least hear us and say, you know, we've been through that. We know it. You know, you know it more than I do. Um, well, I don't know that that's accurate. Once you've been through it, you've got it. I'll admit, I. Well, and and there's also um, there's some situations where you want to share with uh, fellow pastors that only they're going to get. So, uh, for example, there's a gal who went to our church. She was deaf, and um, I used to brag to other pastors that I had, I had the best uh, parishioner in the entire county, in the entire conference, because her uh, her niece would write down on a whiteboard for her everything I was saying. Mm-hmm. And so I'd make a pun or a joke or something, and about five, ten minutes later, I hear, <laughs> <laughs> Really? And, and no one else gets that. They'd be like, well, she interrupted you. Yeah, and I loved it. Yeah, I mean, it... it... You know, or, you know, she would tell me, you know, she would tell me, um, you know, they're... they're uh, Jeep that they would drive was made from other parts called Frank and Jimmy. <laughs> and uh, it was just smoking up a storm one day out on 26. And mom and dad and I stopped and I said, You okay? And I said, Oh, yeah, you just kind of got to let it slow down. And um, she looked up, noticed we were there. She looked up, didn't hear anything that we said. And she goes, He needed a cigarette. <laughs> 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 I mean, there's also those parts you want. You want to have someone to share those things with. Absolutely, um, yeah. So. I mean, there are so many great stories that you know in ministry that you experience, that you see, that you embrace. And again, you can't really share them with everybody else because the the beauty of it, the magic of it, is lost on the ordinary person. Whereas if I share something that's that happened that's awesome with you know you or any other pastor, they're gonna get it. They're gonna understand it. I mean, it's and it really solidifies. At least to me as a young pastor, it solidifies what we're doing. It solidifies the direction that I'm trying to take my congregation. Um, it it can be hard. <laughs> To not, like, I'll go home and I'll share something awesome that happened with Christy. And it could be, 
it can be something as simple as you know what you know whatever. To her, it's why are you celebrating that? That's no big deal. I share it with you. It's a big. I mean, it's a huge deal. It's an important deal. It's a an awesome deal. Um. But I don't know. I I. At the heart of it, like you say, you gotta have that one person. Some of us are lucky, like me, and we've had it all along, and we know we have we've had it all along. And then there are others out there who um, I've got a buddy of mine. He was in ministry for a good while, and I remember I was talking to him. I was like, "Yeah, I'm 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 a pastor. I'm an associate pastor now," and. He said, he kind of pulled me aside and he said, dude, are you sure you want to do this? Because this will eat you up and spit you out. Because you're going to be under a microscope from now on. That only happens if you let it. Mm-hmm. And even if it does, let them look. Focus it for them. Yep, that's the way. <clears throat> it's no secret that I, I'm a tobacco user. I, you know... Uh, I remember I'd been there maybe two, three months. I'd been invited by some of the ladies or some fan, the couples from church. Christy was homesick to go to lunch. All right, that's fine. I had a can of chew in my pocket and come out and <clears throat> I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to kind of wait until they go and then we'll throw one in. Come out, one guy's pulling out a pack of smokes and throwing a Marlboro in. One guy's pulling a vape pen out and puffing on it. I'm like, well, I'll uh, just, <laughs> let's go here, boys. And they came out and said, oh, Pastor, you used tobacco? I was like, mm, yeah. How do you think I get through the days? How do you think I write that sermon every week? I mean. <laughs> get a little get a little going. Get a little going. Get a little buzz going, you know. I mean, get a little bit going. I did, I will say, when I first, I tried to write, there, there's been times where I, well, there was one time, the Easter sermon I was writing, I built it up in my head bigger than it should have been. Because you're literally, the only thing you need to talk about is resurrection and the promise. Um, a buddy of mine for Christmas had given me a bottle of Johnny Walker Red Label. Which is a scotch. I'm not a big scotch guy, but I'll drink it because, well, it was free. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to admit this, but I don't care. I start. I poured myself a glass over ice, and I start working on it, sip on it, sip on it. All of a sudden, I go, well, this glass is empty. Mm, all right, I got more to work on. So I fill it up again, and see, so, you know, write it, write it, write it. And then the next night, I went back to reread what I had written. None of it made sense. Not that I was drunk or anything. Because, again, big guy. Takes a little bit for me to get uh, get there. You're just reading through it going, I don't know what that word is. I don't know why I'm talking about Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those, I mean, it, it, I put my focus to my, I put my focus and my, nervousness on I tried to find an avenue for it that was not the best and and what you know the best way to handle it um you know so I didn't do any you know I didn't do any of that or anything I just went back to my normal routine and bless you that's fine 
Yeah. <laughs> Allergies, man. Oh, it's it's a killer right now. Um, and you know the words flowed like you know, like water out of a pitcher. I mean, just I'd write two sermons. I'd write a sunrise sermon, and I had to write the regular sermon. I know I'm an idiot. Nah. Um, I, I I told like some other people I was doing two services on Easter. I'm like, really? You're doing that? Absolutely. Yeah. Aren't you afraid you're gonna run out of material? Not really. No. Not when you're talking about a subject like that. But yeah, <laughs> and that's another thing. I mean, you know, looking at the aspect of if you don't have that, because if you're like I'm. Kind of, I'm this way to a point. I don't want to bother people with things. Sometimes, a lot of times, I just that's just not kind of been my way. I like to try to figure things out myself, because more than likely you've explained it to me once, and I'm an idiot and I don't remember stuff. Um, I remember stuff, but not the stuff I should remember. Um. But, you know, what are the other, so it's worth noting, like, what are the other avenues that you do, that you follow to handle that stress? And I mean, you know, there's taking a walk and all this stuff, but I mean, I guess what, what my point, or what my, my next premise is, or next point would be, like, what are some of the unconventional, the unhealthy ways that you can, that we handle it, that might get us through, and yes, this does happen in ministry. I can tell you that because I've embraced it. What are some avenues that we can get that stress relief, or to get the you know, to unload a little bit, and then be able to continue on? You know, because again, some people don't want to talk to people, you know, talk to another person and bother them or something because they may have something going on too. Um. You know, like I said, <clears throat> drinking, smoking, that's, you know, not necessarily just in ministry. That's pretty much in any <laughs> any high-stress situation. Yeah, a lot of pastors turn to affairs. Yeah. Just someone else you can confide in, and then it goes too far. Or, you know, there's, there's all kinds of... Right. Which we've, well, I'll leave that, def- I'll leave that dog lie, but... Um, you gotta be careful because you can become destructive. Exactly, it's one of those things. Like, you know, yeah, it's the old adage, and again, it's a little crass, but I don't care. You know, three minutes of fun, thirty years of paying for it, kind of a deal. Yep, and um, you know, some people even turn to like hard drugs and they disappear, and you know, that's. Well, I would tell you, it'll eat away at your soul, and you've got to have somewhere to put it. You can think you can do it yourself, but unless you're journaling and burning the pages or something, I'd highly suggest you find someone to confide in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. You and I, some of the best talks I ever had with you, well, I shouldn't say some, all the best talks, all the, all the talks I've had with you have been beneficial. And there's been, not like when I was working over there, there were nights I'd come over, you'd have a fire going, we'd sit out there and chit-chat about what was going on, and a lot got resolved that night. And I'd come away, 
That was usually on a Tuesday night. I was going in one more day in the office. It was, and that was enough to keep me going for another week. Um, Feeling is mutual. Sometimes you just gotta have somewhere to put it. I'm sure we'll do some of that this evening. So more than likely, yeah. I mean, it's a gorgeous night out. So. It's a gorgeous night. We'll have to get some wood. We own a town. Oh yeah. Wife, so. wife says we gotta get food. So. Oh boy. So. Yeah, folks. I'm just gonna tell you this right now. I know this this show's been pretty serious. Super duper serial. I'm super serial about this now. I'm trying to tell them to be super serial. They won't be super serial. I just, just, you know, they won't believe me about my bear pig. Um, but I mean, it, and that, you know, looking forward, I mean, again, I've been in ministry for two years, right at two years. Um, beginning of COVID, I preached my very first sermon at well at Shirley in March. And the following week, the governor came out and said, hey, everybody stay home for two weeks. And, you know, then you and I kind of, that's kind of really where you and I really started hitting hitting the books pretty hard. It started off with a half hour to an hour meeting. Well, it started off with a half hour. Then it grew to an hour, then three hours. Then, hey, you want to come over for supper tonight? Sure, why not? To where now it's like, you know, Matt, are you still coming over tonight? Yeah, I'll be there. All night. But, I, you know, I guess the point we're trying to make here is, folks, check in with your pastor. Mm -hmm. Check in with him. That's the most important thing. I don't care who you are. If you've only been going to a church for five weeks, five months, five years, 50 years, go up to your pastor and ask him how he's doing. But here's the kicker with it. Legitimately ask him. Be sincere about it. Don't just pay lip service and, you know, because it's kind of like, <laughs> there are some days where we kind of feel like that old uh I'm going to throw you a little bit. I'm going to th- might throw a little bit our listeners off. Because, you know, you hear a guy talk like I do. You don't think he's going to know this. But there are some days where we feel kind of like My Chemical Romance. We're not okay. Not okay. Not okay. Yeah. Speaking of which, did you see if they released a new song? I did not. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, uh, early 2000s punk has now become the new dad rock. Don't say that. that Don't say that. You know why? Because I like early 2000s punk rock. Yes, America, I like punk rock. Love it. I mean, Green Day, I mean, you have My Chemical Romance, all them guys, Breaking Benjamin. I never was a good Charlotte fan, though. I couldn't get into that. I don't know why. I just just couldn't quite get into them. Um... Gosh, that makes me feel old now. That's it's dad funny. rock. That's what I saw that on Facebook today. That's not. I'm. I, I'm not okay, Glenn. Me I'm not either. okay with that. Me either. I get it. Um. <laughs> oh man. And that's. I mean, there's been a lot of times. There were times when I was. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. 
speaking of another avenue, I mean, there was times I would literally leave the office at church and I've got a playlist that's called my emo playlist hmm. on YouTube. Uh, this is back before my wife felt the need that we could spend $12 a month and have Apple Music. Um, let me pull it up here. Let me, let me show you some of the highlights of this thing here. It's I'm going to take you back. Um, let me see here. Uh, let me see here. Playlist. Emo. So these are the songs I had on there. Green Day, Holiday. Um, Fall Out Boy, Where's Your Boy Tonight. American Idiot, Dance Dance. Uh, okay, is the Google, would you consider the Google Dolls like alternative rock or emo rock? The Google Dolls? Mm-hmm. Not they were emo, not emo rock. Yeah, they're more like an alternative. Amazing. Yeah, they were awesome. Uh, you know, Fallout Boy again. Um, but <laughs> don't do not judge. I also had some Avril Lavigne on there as well. Boyfriend, Skater Boy, Complicated. Go. I mean, and I would literally pull that playlist up and I would blast it out of the windows of that truck. Primarily because it didn't have AC. But um, even in the new truck, it's got AC, and I still roll the windows down, and I blast that stuff. But it's become kind of a, it's a new thing now. And now it's because, as we know in this show, and you know me, I am nostalgic for my childhood. And that, that music came out. I remember, let's get off topic. I remember when Avril Lavigne was on Saturday Night Live, and it was right when the song "Girlfriend" came out on. Uh, it came out on the radio, and she did it live. The coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I don't know why it just was. Um, of course, last summer I got to see Green Day and Fall Out Boy, and Weezer. Not that I'm a huge Weezer fan, but. Um, because I've only got like what two songs, maybe three. Um, but I mean, it's for me. Like I like I've said on this show, music is a big deal to me. Oh, it's, me too. It it's it is how I release stress. It's how I like if I'm working on something, I'll pull my phone out and I'll play. You know, I've got a couple playlists. I hit hit play on shuffle and just listen to music. And it makes the day go by for quicker. In the truck, I gotta have something playing on the radio. Unless I'm on a phone call, I gotta have something playing on the radio. It's just part of it. Or if somebody else is in the truck with me, I gotta be talking to them. I don't like silence. Mm -hmm. Just because I'm just... I'm just that kind of person. I'm a sociable guy. I gotta have, my, I gotta have interaction. I gotta have some kind of social interaction. Call me an addict on it. I don't care. Because... I will do no such thing. I've learned some of the coolest stuff. I've heard some of the coolest stuff. And I've made some of the best friendships because of that. Because of that trait. But... Well, friends, I believe... Let's, I think we're going to wrap this one up. 
Put a I bow. think that's a good place to go. I think it's a good wrap. I think we're going to put a bow on this. This show's been, this episode's been a little deep, I admit. A little deep, a little heavy. But just know that uh, people care. Mm-hmm. And uh, find those people. They are your people. They're out there, too. Mm-hmm. You might have to pick up a rock, go into a bar, or something like that. But I'll tell you what, some of the best conversations I've ever had has been over a, a beer. Some of the best conversations I've had have been, you know, wherever, you know, wherever. Um, I just got back from the strip club, and I'll sit out there on the tailgate and talk to him until 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't care. Because, and it's one of those cool things, if you show that you care about people, you're going to see that in return, mm-hmm. if it's genuine. Um, there can be instances where you put your heart and soul in, in, into something or into someone and then they turn around and just smack you right in the face. Well, I've adopted the, the cowboy motto. You fall off that horse, you dust yourself off, and you strap back in, you go another eight seconds. Because more mm-hmm. than likely you're going to get it right eventually. Maybe not with that same horse, maybe not with that same bull, but you're going to get a 90-point ride eventually. I know that's a big rodeo metaphor, I know, but um, some of our Western um, <clears throat> some of our Western states friends uh, would listen to it, would understand that, because Lord knows we got a lot of them. Now, our friends in Philly and Vermont... How in the world we ended up in Vermont, I don't know. Hey, good people in Vermont. There might be good people in Vermont. There probably good is good people good in Vermont. People. Um, you know, good uh, skiing. Good skiing in Vermont? That's what I've heard. No, I've just always had their maple syrup. and. I ain't bad either. It's all right. It's pretty good. Pretty good. You know, their, their cheese is a little rough, though. Do mm-hmm. you remember that? Did you ever see that movie, not to get off on tangent again, but we'll we'll wrap it up after this. Do you remember that movie, Thank You for Smoking? Yes. Did you ever see that? Yes. And he's accusing him, you know, the guy's going against him, what, how are cigarettes any different than Vermont cheddar cheese? And the guy says the greatest line with the straightest face, but it's, it's the most, like, punchy. The great state of Vermont will not apologize for its cheese. <laughs> Quite possibly the greatest line I heard in the whole movie. Um, but just again, check on your pastors. Mm. Be a friend to check, them. Check on each other. Check on each other. Yeah, you know we're kind of winding down. Hopefully on this whole COVID thing and everything. No, I wouldn't even bring her up. I won't. That's as far as I'm going to go. But now I've I've got to close this show. Mm-hmm. With. Um, you know, I'm still basking in the glow. I got to meet the guy from Allen's Jewelry and Loan. Oh, yeah! You texted me about that. I don't think I brought it up on here. So you haven't, we, we no. Played a, we played a commercial once. It's one of my favorite commercials of all time. I used to play in the Anderson Movie Theater. I weep for the Anderson Movie Theater. Oh, that was such a good theater. And um, I just loved it. They... <laughs> They ran this commercial all the time for Allen's Jewelry and Loan. 
was so bad it was good. I just loved it. And the guy who has the line, looking to unload some merchandise or make some extra cash, they throw that on our money. Yeah. Come to Allen's Jewelry and Low. We sat by him at Pies and Pints the other night. Oh, man. And I wanted to go up and talk to him, but I just thought, I don't want to ruin this guy's evening. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can keep a straight face. So, oh, uh, yeah. But we got to sit in there. You got to hear him and look at him. I said, who is that? I know who that is. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the like mouth come in and form a word, and I went, oh, my God, that's Allen's Jewelry and Low. <laughs> you texted me and said, you're never going to. I'm sitting with a celebrity. <laughs> who? Alan from Alan's Jewelry and Loan. I'm like, get an autograph, get an autograph. Yeah. Then you said, I think you, didn't you tell me to say, yeah, I don't want to. Entourage. Yeah. Yeah. That security looks a little rough, you know. <laughs> um, but that that was quite possible. That made my day when you texted me that. So just folks, <clears throat> it ain't all bad. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Uh, folks, we're gonna we're gonna get out of here. Uh, good night, Lindy and Kesson. Good morning, Samoa, where it is 17 hours ahead of the Eastern Standard Time, or daylight, whatever we're in, 24 hours ahead of Hawaiian time. There you so, go. Uh, hello to the other side of the world. Uh, Russia stinks. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening.